Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's been a big week for the podcast. We've hit half a million listens. More than 500,000 times someone has clicked on Listen Now. It's incredible to think when I started this podcast as really a means for me to keep in touch with the Camino, that it continues to resonate with so many people. Can I just say thank you? I am most grateful for your support, your kindness. This is going to be what they call a three-peat. I've missed only one podcast in almost four years. And to fill that void, I was on the road and I couldn't, just couldn't do it. And I didn't have any recordings in the can, as they say. So I had to reload my interview with Noel Braun. So out of 150 episodes, I chose Noel because I find his story extraordinary. Well, I'm delighted to say Noel is back this week to talk about a new book. But before we get to Noel, this is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago or the Way of St. James. The Camino is a pilgrimage. People from all over the world go to Europe to walk in the footsteps of Christ's Apostle St. James. What's not to love about that sentence? People from all over the world going to Europe to walk in the footsteps of Christ's Apostle St. James. You walk to your own rhythm, your own time, to the beat of your heart. What's not to love about walking to the beat of your heart? Some pilgrims write. Some document their way in pictures, sometimes in song. It's the global sharing of the common experience that draws us all together. And not only drawing us together... It helps us share our experience to the rest of the world. But walking is the key. Moving, travelling, progressing, creating a future, a destination. Linda Hogan is an American poet and Indigenous writer, and she wrote, Walking, I am listening to a deeper way. Suddenly all my ancestors are behind me. Be still, they say. Watch and listen. You are the result of the love of thousands. Just pause for a moment. You are the result of the love of thousands. Who is our great-great-grandmother? What music did she listen to? Our great-great-great-grandfather, what did he do? How did their love, their lives, shape our lives? I like to think I walk my pilgrimage for them, with them, and, in a way, to them. I'll bring in this week's guest, Noel Braun, whose new book is called Keep Pressing On, Brother. He's on the line. Welcome, Pilgrim. Uh, Thank you, Dan. Thank you very much for uh, coming back to me again. Yes, it's a pleasure. What do you make, Mm. what do you think when you hear this week's quote, walking, I am listening to a deeper way, suddenly all my ancestors are behind me, be still, they say, watch and listen, you are the result of the love of thousands. Yes, I can uh, relate to that. Uh, I would see walking in many ways as a uh, meditation and it has the uh, potential to um, be the the most creative part of the day um, because um, you're able to um, draw on inspiration um, um, not only from the work, from the walking, but also from... All of that um, wisdom and philosophy which you've just uh, uh, mentioned there and um, I know there are other uh, philosophers down the ages that have extolled um, the virtues of working. I think uh, Kierkegaard, um, a German, no, Swedish, I think, Swedish philosopher, 
mentioned that this was the most walking was the most creative part of his journey. This is where he really was able to um, uh, generate new thoughts and ideas. And uh, I can imagine um, drawing on the inspiration from all the people that have, um, you know, walked before you Mm. uh, and from all of your... um, all of the, you know, traditions of your particular culture, um, as you mentioned in the, um, you know, the indigenous American culture. Yeah. So I can I can relate to that. Yeah, we have lots to learn always, don't we? Uh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I know um, by now I've really accepted um, uh, at my age that... Uh, uh, the, the older I get, um, so the less I know, the more there is to know. Yeah. And that's exciting. Yeah, so um, I um, always approach things as far as I can. Mind you, I've got my prejudices, of course, but I always approach um, issues and things which as as open a mind as possible because there's always something that one can learn. Yeah. And... And that's certainly what you're doing when you're on the Camino. That's for sure. You're learning all the time. Yeah, learning all the time and growing and sharing. Growing, yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's certainly sharing. Yeah, that's right. Noel, it's helpful to cast our minds back from time to time. Um, You were a country school teacher. Uh, For our international listeners, a country school teacher means you're out in the bush, and it can be a very solitary yet rewarding experience. What did you learn then? That, oh, yes. that still resonates with you now. <laughs> oh, you're going back many years, uh, Dan. <laughs> but the first four years of my um, working life, um, I taught in these little uh, one-teacher schools where I had all grades in the one, uh, the one room from five-year-olds up to 14-year-olds. Um, and... Uh, you were the voice of education for those particular kids, and they're usually in fairly remote localities. My own particular experience, I was a city boy. Um, I was born and bred in Melbourne, and um, I remember wanting to get away from Melbourne just for the experience, the experience of running my own little school. So what happened there, of course, the the great learning curve, it was really a great learning curve because you were thrown on your own, you know, brand new to the profession and you had to learn everything and to be completely self-sufficient and self-resourceful. So I think I I learned a lot of um, how to be self-resourceful. In a way, um, it spoiled me. Because four years of making every decision, um, I, I could never handle a boss after that. <laughs> you know, uh, if the boss um, did what I thought should be done, that was fine. But uh, <laughs> when the boss wanted to do it a different way, that's when I used to feel uncomfortable. That's a great story. <laughs> We're going to get to your passion for writing because that's really where it, it was sort of born or stems from as well. But just in 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 answering that question, you said you were hungry or, or very keen to leave Melbourne. Um, to, yes. to, to, to And I wonder if all those years ago it was a little snapshot of 
of that person in you that is searching for something that there's a wider world that you want to see and experience and and still doing it today uh yes yes well i wanted to move out of um you know the confines of um of the big city way back uh, way back then way back in the 50s it was um and interesting, this is where I've um, finished up because right now I live in a little um, um, little town in the Snowy Mountains in the um, south-east uh, of Australia. I regard myself as a refugee from the big cities. <laughs> uh, seven years ago I moved to this little uh, place and uh, I feel very comfortable in, in in a way back where I sort of wanted to be, yeah. way back there in my um, early 20s. Yeah, how fantastic. You're, yeah, it's taken a while, but... Yeah. yeah. A, a lot of what you learned back then um, became uh, the theme for your first book, Friend and Philosopher, and it tells the story mm. of that journey because in many ways the, the teacher in a one-teacher school in a community like that is a friend and a philosopher. Yes. Well, that title came from the um, uh, the wisdom of the um, teachers' college lecturers who used to say, you know, to us young uh, aspiring teachers, uh, the, the country school teacher should be the friend and philosopher of the district. And uh, in the book I um, wrote, I created this uh, a character, young um, lad as raw as they come, wanting to be the friend and philosopher of the particular districts in the little school that he went to. Um, so he faces a series of um, challenges. Uh, he's not quite up to it all, but um, he, 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 he keeps pressing on and keeps inspiring. And I think um, I've had uh, great feedback. It's my favourite book, actually. Uh, it's in its third print, um, and uh, you know it's it's still people want to read it, and I've had great feedback from it. So um, so it's set the ball rolling. Yeah, for me, you know, for that was uh, six books ago. Six books ago, uh, um, and it only. Uh, I always had this uh, during my. Um, Career, I always had these aspirations to be, you know, be a published author. One of these days, <laughs> um, <laughs> and of course, many people say one of these days, and never got around to it. I say uh, one of these days, and eventually, may take decades, but eventually we get around to it. So I published that first book in. Um, 2004 it was. Uh, it was a novel. I was planning to write novels. And then uh, I wrote the second one. Whistler Street. Uh, Whistler Street, that's right. It came out about 2007. Um, by that time, an event um, occurred that completely changed the whole course of my yeah. life, and that was the suicide of my wife, Maris. That's right, and, and the following mm. book was the memoir, No Way to yeah. Behave at a Funeral. That's right. So, so That's... you've told us this story before. Um, yes. it, it was a few yeah. years ago now, but I, mm. I wondered if you'd tell us again um, 
tell us the story of Maris. Well, Maris suffered um, depression. Um, and she, um, um, you know, she hit a depression and only a few people knew of, the, you know, the constant battle that she had with the demons. And for her, every day was a struggle, particularly in the last um, um, uh, year or so. Um, and her two sisters had already yeah, died by suicide. She said she would never follow them, but uh, I think the pain and anguish was just too intense for her. And um, she uh, finally took her own life. To the outsider, she had everything to look for. She died a week before the um, the wedding of um, my son Stephen. Um, so that was a pretty a pretty um, uh, rough time, I think. Um, she died on a Saturday. We had the wedding on. Sorry, we had the funeral on the Thursday and the, the wedding on the Saturday. So, uh, but somehow or other we got through it and the family got all through it. So that prompted me to, 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 to write that book. It was therapy for me, but I know for the feedback that it's been a great assistance for other people who have been on that um, similar, similar journey. And then, of course, that set me off on the, um, um, the search for meaning which um, sent me off on the pilgrimage route um, following the, um, the Camino um, to Santiago uh, so that now I've walked six different routes and written three books about it. So uh, um, I was a bit worried about this last one, Keep Pressing On, Brother, as, as after two books as to whether I had anything new to say um, but I think this one goes a little bit deeper into the um, spiritual journey. Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. Hey, yeah. It, it just, I just before we 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 move on to the to the, the third uh, exploration of the Camino that you've now written, mm. the the memoir is called "No Way to Behave at a Funeral." Why? Yes, yeah, what's the title? Why the? Uh, that's a piece of black humour. Um, it was, um, um, an incident that had happened at the funeral, um, when, uh, we were all in the car going from the, um, uh, from, from, from the, um, church to the cemetery. And, uh, after penting up the emotions there, we let off a bit of steam in the, uh, car shouting out at the tops of our voices and using, I don't know that I should use the words that we use, they were profanities, and then someone said, um, "No, way, that's no way to behave at a funeral, you know, with all this profanity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and someone said, who cares? Yeah. So we just continued to <laughs> shout this out all the way, you know, the couple of three or four kilometres between the church and yeah, so um, that's where the title. Yeah, that's where the title came from. That one. Um, does can I ask you something, Noel? Yeah. Does a husband ever come to terms with something like that, or do you simply live with it? Because um, I think there's a distinction there. 
isn't there? How, how, yeah, could yeah. you possibly come to terms with it? Uh, for me, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought so. I, um, I more or less, um, you know, people were um, suggesting to me there at one stage about, you know, forming a, another relationship. But I thought that would do an injustice to that particular lady because I'd always be comparing them with my wife, Maris. Um, and uh, it's something that you live with. Mm. And every now and then, you know, and you mosey along, every now and then it takes something to um, trigger off things. You know, it could be anything. It could be a song. Um, could be I went to a training um, um, conference once and uh, the presenter told a suicide joke, of all things. That really set me off. I thought I had to leave, but then I went up to him, the, the guy afterward, and said, uh, listen, mate, you have to be careful who's in your audience when you tell a suicide joke. Incidents like that. Mm. Um, uh, and, but then... There's always, on the other hand, there's gentle reminders. I think um, the transition for people, you know, as they're working their way through the grieving, is that when they focus more upon the life of um, their loved one who's departed rather than on the death and the circumstances of the death. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's a lovely way to talk about it and and to think about it, isn't it? Yeah, and I've got uh, constant reminders of um, Iris in my house. I've got 12 photos of her uh, around the place, you know, and I talk to them, talk to her. (laughs) And I've got a couple of little shrines with candles, and I like candles sometimes. Like it was was her anniversary on the 30th of um, October. Uh, So I lit candles for her. And... um, there and um, I think uh, I think she'd be proud of you. Well, hopefully, and, yeah. and I'll often um, think, okay, here's um, uh, a situation, a little decision, and I often think now, what Mar- what would Maris have done? <laughs> yeah, so, um, oh, that's great! Oh, what a lovely uh, um, Like for example, it was one of my grand uh, daughter's birthdays. And the only thing I could I could do was um, give her some money, you know, because it's very hard to buy for teenage girls. So I just gave her some money, and I heard Maris's voice saying, "Double it." <laughs> <laughs> so I did. That's so great. Much, much to my granddaughter's delight. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. Thank you, Grandma. You're awesome. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so we talked here last time we spoke um, about how you were in France, I think, and you noticed some pilgrims wandering past and wondered what yeah, all the fuss right. was about, and that's how it led you onto your Camino. Yeah, that's right. I was journey. I went. Yeah, I went to Chambéry in the French Alps, and I enrolled in a French-language school, and each Sunday I'd go to the um, cathedral for Mass, and every now and then there was a group 
being, um, you know, with their backpacks and their shells on their backs being blessed, getting their pilgrim's blessing, and they were off to Santiago. And I thought, oh, that's a good idea. One of these days, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it took four years. What, uh, before what what made you? I, sorry, I was just going to say, Noel. What what made you finally do it? If 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 it was one of the situations where you 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 talked about before, one of these days, one of these days, what was it that finally made you say, "No, I'm going to do it"? Okay, well, I thought um, it's it's it was something to focus on in terms of planning and seeking structure. I did quite a bit of reading about the concept of pilgrimage and and the idea of people finding themselves and I felt definitely I needed to, you know, find myself and uh, resurrect myself in some ways. Um, because this is after Maris has died, isn't it? Ah, oh, yes, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. in the years afterwards yeah. and uh, that's why I went to France mm. to um, learn French um, and it's, it's, it's a ongoing process of um, of uh, rediscovering yourself and your identity it's sort of and and searching for meaning and challenging every um, belief and assumption that you've ever held um, and um, everything I read about the Camino and um, and uh, pilgrimage, I thought, well, this is a way to go. So each year came and went, you know, mm. before I went. And then finally, I think one November, or I said, I've got to make a decision. So I went down to the agent and booked the flight, you know, for the following year. You know, when you get one of these, like, I think at that time they were giving it early bird discounts. Right. <laughs> for the flight, so I thought, okay, I booked the flight, so I was committed. There you go. And you were we you were always a walker, weren't you? So you've always been oh, a walker yes. here. So ah, oh, yes, yes, and a, and a bit of a gym junkie. Yeah, yeah. So it was a matter of matter of focusing there, but it was as much spiritual uh, preparation too. Um, mainly the the idea of stepping out of a uh, comfort zone. Um. Being prepared to accept that um, no way I was I in control, and I, um, you know, that can take a bit of working on yourself to uh, accept because I reckon I'm a slow learner in that area, <laughs> uh, you know, and also um, yeah. So I, um, so it took it took sort of that four years yeah. to sort of. Get myself ready. Yeah, and finally there, and I think um, in the first book about the Kibito, um the day was made for walking. The very first sentence says, "I was shit scared because I was uh, on the steps of the cathedral at La Puy, and I looked down. It was a great flight of steps right down, and then down below there was this narrow." alleyway that you walk down to it um, and I was ready to chicken out there but I thought well there's only one thing I can do take a step so of course I took the first step down and then second step so then we were off 
Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, away we went. Yeah. Now, you've published now three explorations three. of the Camino de Santiago. The, the day was yeah. made for walking. I guess I'll just keep on walking. And the third, yeah. the third one now, the reason we're talking today is keep pressing on, brother. That's right. So I've got, I want to talk about the new book, but just sort of more generally, do you find it easy to capture on the page the experience of the Camino? Um, yes. I think I have a gift to, um, you know, translate emotion into words mm. um, and uh, to describe um, the scenes. And I always, one of the questions I always pose to me, if I am tempted to write down, I looked out and the, and the scene was beautiful, I'm, I always ask my question, why? So I write down the reasons. I might, and rather than saying the scene was beautiful, I'll just describe it mm. as, as I see it, hear it, feel it. Um, and I think I, you know, I think I've uh, have successfully do do that, and to some to such an extent that the feedback I get from many readers is that they almost feel as if I'm walk they're walking with me. Uh, you know, I've been able to absorb them into the scene, and I value that gift. Yeah, to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And 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 I suppose that when I the, I posed in the question, do you find it easy to capture? Um, the Camino. I don't suppose it's easy, but you have a process and, and you can apply yourself in a sort of workmanlike way to, yes. to achieve it. That's, that's, oh, yes. That's, yes, it's not, not, it's not random. No, no, you, no. You have to work on it. Mm. And um, um, I always value, um, when I'm in the process of writing, always value um, feedback. Like, for example, um, the latest book, Keep Pressing on Brother, I um, got a lady to have a uh, uh, a look at the, the manuscript, and every now and then um, she would pose the question, um, "I'd like to know more about that. You know, explain that point a bit more." Yeah. Or that, and, and I, f- I found that uh, excellent feedback. Because it really, you know, disciplined me to rather than just leave, you know, a fairly vague open comment to be far more explicit in the detail and in what I meant to say. Mm. And um, I was, um, and, you know, from the few people who have read it so far, I've had some, um, you know, very good um Feedback, so I feel encouraged. Yeah, yeah, to, to get out there and say um, this is a good read. No, it is a good read. Yeah. It is a good yeah. read. Yeah. So, one of the um, one of the things I I loved about what you do is uh, a simple narrative, um, and there's enough information there for people to. Yeah, you're right. Walk, feel as if they're walking alongside you, but also to 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 to. to undertake their own journey in your writing. Mm. And I think mm. there's enough space in your writing to do that, 
That, and that's very important. And I want to just touch on that because you and I met in October last year at the Camino Conference in Adelaide. And that's right. A woman, yeah. a woman sat at the table and said she had been inspired to walk the Camino after seeing you talk at her local yeah. library. So, yes. Yeah. So those talks, those presentations, are they... Uh, are they? Is that you talking about your books? Is it talking about your pilgrimage? Is it talking about the Camino? Tell us about those presentations. Ah, yes. Well, uh, for two or three years, I was um, tripping all over the Australia, actually, um, talking at libraries, and um, uh, and uh, that was sort of pre-COVID. Um, Haven't yeah. done. Haven't done much this year, um, but I'd work that into what else I was doing. Like, so when my son was um, uh, married in Perth, um, I organised to talk to about nine different libraries in Perth while I was there. And when my uh, sister turned 90 up in uh, Queensland, uh, I organised to talk to a few libraries there and then uh, and, and down in... Um, Victoria and New South Wales, and of course, while I was over there in Adelaide for that yeah. conference you just mentioned, I lined up a few um, uh, Adelaide libraries and also um, a few along the way, you know, driving over. Um, and I, um, I always tried to. Um, um, pitch my talk to the people who turned up. And I'd always ask them, why are you here? You know, I'd make a joke, something like, well, it's not raining. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> you know, aren't there better things to do? <laughs> so, so, and occasionally mm. I'd even, um, you know, if they're all sitting there deathly quiet, um, you know, I thought, well, let's break, see if we can warm this uh, group up. I'd often say to them, um, okay, um, just uh, before we start, um, just say good day to your neighbour here and talk about why you're here. And, you know, that usually got them going. Then you had to yeah. shut them up then. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it also depended on how the, how the um, library promoted it. Now, some promoted, you know, it was just the Camino, okay. Some promoted it, uh, the idea of um, a senior, a uh, resilient senior. Uh, some focused on the mental health aspects, um, how a person coped with um, three suicides in the family, um, and you'd get inspiration. And I would encourage people to ask questions very early. And then I knew what they wanted to know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was very much aiming at very early interaction with the, um, um, you know, with, with, with the group that were there. And sometimes there was only about three or four in the country. And in the city, uh, you know, there were some um, uh, groups of 100 plus. Right. You know, filling filling the yeah. Uh, I, I was amazed at the numbers that came to the libraries at Perth, 
And I think the library people, they were surprised too, you know, that that, that, that it attracted so much um, interest. Many of the people in the audience, of course, had done the Comedo themselves. Yeah. Or, uh, or were thinking about it. Um, I used to ask people, who's done the Camino? Uh, who's thinking about it? Who would like to do it but? Um, and then you, who's never heard of it, you know? Then the, the ones who'd never heard of it, I'd say, well, why are you here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> some, they were, some of those were those who came to everything at the... Um, well, I'm sure, I'm sure of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm certain of that. Tell, was, uh, tell us yeah. about the writing, uh, um, the writing process. Walking as a writer, are you always looking for ideas? Do you take notes in a journal and piece yes. it together later? And this yes. this new book, Keep Pressing On, Brother, uh, does how did the story of that journey emerge for you? Yes. Yes, well, I, I, I keep a journal every, every um, uh, evening. I'd try and spend, you know, 15 minutes or so just um, – uh, noting the day, then I always carried a little notebook in my um, uh, pocket shirt pocket. Or uh, if I got a brilliant idea, what I thought was a brilliant idea, along the way I'd quickly scribble something down there and then. And then I took copious photographs. Um, so when looking back, the photographs now are all sort of dated and timed. I was able to recreate every day um, and then I'd look at the guidebook for the things that I'd missed, you know, and you could bring back the day in all its um, detail. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and then you have um, various uh, opportunities for um, reflection too. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, we started our talk there about walking about the values of walking. Um, I, at one stage, um, I uh, in the book, there's quite a discussion on death because I came across this uh, cemetery and it had these um, long columns which platforms on, on top and where you could light a little fire on the top. And they were uh, – the origin is uncertain, but they are thought to have been of Celtic origin. When, you know, the, the Celtics, they lit a fire uh, for their um, – on the top of these columns to light the way um, for their departed ones, you know, on their way to um, wow. wherever they were going. And, of course, this was adopted – or adapted by the Christian tradition, and it's even the basis behind the, um, you know, like the eternal flame. Of course. You know, both uh, sort of in, in, in the shrine and other yeah. places around the world. And then I thought I had a habit of wherever I could as, uh, when I was walking of, of lighting a candle for Maris. And then I thought, well, this is what I'm doing. I'm light a candle to help Maris on her way, you know. 
on a way. So I, I thought now after that, um, yes, this is what I'm doing. I'm lighting 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 a candle for her so that she's got some lamp, some light to see where she's going. <laughs> <laughs> In, That's in, a, in, a, in another world. So yeah. I, I spent a bit of time talking about that. Um, and then, um, uh, uh, and, and there were other digressions like that when I, um, for example, I talk of the, um, I only went to um, Mass a couple of times um, where there was an opportunity, but I yeah. used the opportunity to, to, um, to write about why do I go? Yeah, you know when others uh, have given it away. I think of I think of it more in terms of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah, um, but I do spend some time in reflection on 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 these. Yeah, and uh, and going back to the uh, book there, keep pressing on, brother. Um. All my books are dedicated to Maris, but this, um, and there's a dedication page to her. But in this last book, there's a dedication page to um, an old friend of mine, a Catholic priest, Peter McGrath, uh, who was our pastor at the church that we went to in. Um, in Sydney at Terry Hills, and he was a he was a wonderful bloke, you know. Yeah, he was a larrikin, mind you. He was unpredictable, uh, but he was uh, an intensely spiritual and wise person in his ways, and he influenced his a lot. He died of dementia, but in one of his last notes that he sent to me. Um, he finished it off with "Keep pressing on, brother," and that's where I got the title for um, this particular book. Um, and um, um, I spent some time in the book um, um, describing a visit that uh, I made to um, to Peter in the. Um, um, nursing home when he was, you know, yeah. well and truly in the dementia, and then also his funeral. I went to his funeral. There were, gosh, I don't know how many were there, but thousands, I think. Yeah, because he was such a wonderful bloke, so I had to dedicate um, that page to him. Yeah, and and spread that message of keep pressing on, brother, or keep pressing on, sister. Yeah, and, you know, when I read the title. And and brother in the title, it's such a an, a, a much used term, a term of endearment. Mm. We just don't confine to siblings these days. No, and in particular, no. on the Camino, it takes on a sort of familial connotation because mm. so often we find ourselves and consider ourselves and believe believe ourselves as pilgrims, as a Camino, yeah. Camino community, to be family, don't we? Very much so, and. <clears throat> This is how I, I regarded it, and um, I uh, last year, and I write about it in the book. Yeah. I had uh, I had the fortune to be a volunteer in two separate um, refuges in France, and um, one of them um, 
that I was a volunteer at for, I was there for two weeks. Um, they, they would provide a bed and they'd provide um, um, the, um, yeah, the breakfast, but not so the evening meal, you know. The people mm. had to either cook it or go and find it somewhere. And I said, um, you know, to the contact person there, I, I believe uh, we should provide an evening meal because that's where you form family. Um, and uh, I said, okay, well, as long as you charge uh, eight euros extra um, and, you know, keep within that there, fine. So I provided a meal every night for um, the pilgrims who came and stayed with me. I was doing this because I was I had received such tremendous hospitality along the way. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was absolutely wonderful, some of the hospitality, um, that I wanted to give some back in turn. So, um, so here I am in uh, receiving the... Um, the pilgrims, they arrived. It was my objective to greet them uh, as individuals when they arrived and in the morning to see them depart as family because over a meal they were able to bond yeah. and and come together. And uh, and um, I used to gain, you know, great satisfaction of seeing this bonding form. And I was determined to do well, you know, nothing scratch or that. So I had received, I had received, you know, when I stayed with families, four-course meals. Uh, so that was what I was going to do, provide four-course meals to these um, pilgrims. And uh, I thought, well, I'm game because, you know, the French have got a um, – they regard eating and cooking as an art form. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, I'm game here, you know, with um, cooking for French, although there are a lot of Germans and others there as well. But they didn't, they they just appreciated the, you know, yeah, the hospitality. And that was one of the great things I learned um, last year, this idea of hospitality and all the values that that um, represents, mm. you know, yeah. of complete acceptance of whoever, of accepting everyone as they come, of um, tolerating of uh, differences. Um, and um, uh, all of those things. And I saw through a meal that this is the way that one breaks down divisions, and I often used to think that, uh, you know, if you can get a couple of warring parties together over a meal, <laughs> they could probably sort out their um, their um, differences over that, that. Yeah. They had the potential to sort out differences. Yeah, that's it. And, and both hospitality and the Camino are forces in the world now that um, unite and bring people together when there's so many things in the world now that are doing their darndest to separate us all and divide us all. There. Yeah, that's lovely. So, that's fantastic. Yeah. You, you, yeah, so, yeah. You, you mentioned before that you had walked now six um, Caminos. Do you collect yes. Compostellas at the Pilgrim's Office at the end of? Um, well, I've only got two. The only twice I've been to Santiago. Oh, I see. Right, right, right. I've got those two. But the others I still, um, you know, I take my, um, uh, uh, you know, the little um, 
credential or the credential yeah. and get it stamped along the way. Yeah. yeah. I've, still, I've got all those. Well, you need those, of course, because some places won't let you in unless you've got one of them. No, that's right. Yeah, but they're mm-hmm. also great keepsakes, aren't they? Sometimes you pull, oh, pull, you pull them out and they just tell the story. Uh, they're beautiful. And I have yeah. a, a great friend of mine who likes to drop over here for a beer from time to time, and he, he, he just loves to grab it and open it up and point to a stamp and say, go on, tell me the story. Ah, yes. And I look at ah, it, yes. I look at it, I say, oh, that's, you know, Azura. That's, oh, oh, look, that's, you know, and away I go. Then I can tell the story of that day or that night. It's a nice, yeah. nice keepsake. Yeah. yeah. You know, mm. Noel, I'm, I'm looking here at the titles of your three books, the last three, The Day Was Made mm. for Walking. I guess I'll just keep on walking and keep pressing on, brother. And I'm mm. taken back to your first novel's title, Friend and Philosopher. And perhaps rather than a book title, it may be what's written on the shingle outside your shop these days because you have in many ways become the friend and philosopher. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's, um, you know, in my, in my old age, you <laughs> uh, hopefully develop a little bit of um, uh, wisdom. Um I still go off half cocked every now and then. I'm sure. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you, know. you, say, yeah. you say in the new book you discovered there was more to pilgrimage than simply visiting places. Yes, so true, eh? Yes, yes. Um, because um, the pilgrimage and the Camino um, is as much about one's in a journey, as it is the uh, outward physical journey. And it's a process of continual change as a result of uh, of the experience. So it's a sort of like a, an inner and outer journey constantly into acting w- with, with each other. And in particular, the, the opportunity for walking, as I said, it's like a, uh, can be like a mantra and gives you time for reflection or just time for pure, you know, clearing your mind and thinking of nothing in particular, just um, listening to the mantra of the your footsteps or of the tap of your um, walking poles, if you, you know, if you sort of use them there and um, um, I always think of um, you know they say um, often um, it's what you can't see is uh, can be the most important influences and I often think in terms of um, the other influences that might be accompanying me mm. Um, on the way, um, I think of Maris, of course, my wife with me. Hmm. I I think of um, uh, a deity accompanying me as well. Um, some people describe um, um, it as the Camino itself, like a mystical um, entity. Mm-hmm. And I will say the Camino will guide you and look after you, and it does. Um, 
uh, and time and time again, you get yourself into um, trouble. And uh, how am I going to get out of this? And something yeah. always happens. Some angel comes along. Yeah. That's happened to me. Um, I had a great experience um, there when I found myself completely lost in the middle of nowhere. Um, there was just stopped raining, so the ground was too wet to sit on. Um, and there were, I was in this area where there was no, just wide open fields, couldn't even see animals. And I didn't know where I was. I'd taken a wrong direction anyway. I heard this pop, pop, pop coming along. And along came the, the French farmers had these little sort of uh, buttes, you know, just with a back big enough to put a bale of hay or, yeah. or, a, or a sheep in. Anyway, I hailed this guy and um, he was only a young fellow and uh, I said to him, um, uh, I, I mentioned the name of the town that I wanted to get to and I thought, oh, he said, oh, yeah, that's 10 kilometres over towards the east. I'd completely taken a wrong direction from lunchtime it was about four in the afternoon, oh. and I'd run out of I'd run out of water. I should have been where I was supposed to be going. Anyway, um, he uh, he gave me this maze of directions, you know, à gauche, tout droit, à droite, you know. <laughs> so, and uh, off he went. Anyway, so I thought, uh, oh well. My only consoling thought it was four in the afternoon. It wouldn't get dark till about um, six o'clock, till ten o'clock. So I had a, almost six hours of daylight to find my way. Anyway, I started walking, you know, in, in the way he said, straight ahead. Anyway, five minutes later, I heard the pop, pop, pop. And back he was, uh, this young fellow. And the young fellow opened the door and he said, Monte, which is French, is hop in. So I hopped in and um, he uh, chatted all the way, showed me his parents' farm and his grandparents' farm and we, you know, went all over the place zigzag and dropped me off at the church in the town that I wanted to be and then hopped in his car and <laughs> raced off. <laughs> and I thought, God, this is Jesus himself. You know? <laughs> A young man who... Um, I don't know, he could have been off to football practice or something. Yeah. Um, but he went out of his way. And what, what's more, he gave me this bottle of ice-cold water. Uh, there's, you know, for a start. So oh, how lovely. I thought, um, how can I repay this young man for his generosity? And all I could hope that, you know, he'll enjoy his life on that particular farm. He'll meet some nice girl. Have a have a um, uh, a family, make a contribution to the community that um, you know he is in, and sort of live a live a rich life, you know. Yeah. Right? And uh, he he was an angel. He was really was an angel. That that that, that young young man. His name was Florian. Uh, and Florian will be, even though, you know, our, our encounter was only, you know, 10 minutes or so, I'll never forget him. Yeah, that's so lovely, isn't it? He's had such an yeah. impact on your life. He did. 
He did, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and you talk to other people on the Camino, and they'll tell you similar sort of stories yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. So, that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, I, I, I could, well, we could talk for days. You and I, we're terrible. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I just, I, I wonder, is it fair to say you're someone who's made a conscious decision to share their story so others might learn from your experience? Uh, yeah. I've made a conscious decision to share my story so that um, other people uh, – I, I made. I see myself as a very ordinary sort of person, but I, from my feedback I know that my story has been able to inspire others. And uh, I often used to say to the library talk – when the library talks that I didn't expect them – to all go off and, you know, book the plane and go off on the Camino. But I thought perhaps if, you know, there's some challenge or difficulty that they're facing and after hearing my talk, they might decide, you know, to keep pressing on. I thought, well, that was a very good outcome for them. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, you know, I think there's... um, Ah, uh, many, many, many times you you can encourage people by, you know, just by a simple thing, term like that, keep pressing on, keep pressing on, brother, keep pressing on, sister. And, uh, um, and, and that offers a little bit of encouragement and sort of inspiration. So, uh, yeah, yeah, and also, of course, uh, um, when you talk, um, okay, you're talking to a number of people, but when you um, write a book, it's no longer in yours. It goes out there and, you know, how many people read it? could be thousands. Yeah. You know, might read it and feel in some way encouraged um, by it. Yeah. Well, the, the new book is out now. Keep, yes. keep Pressing On, Brother, by Noel Braun. It's available everywhere. You can buy books online is the easiest place to get it. I just typed in Keep Pressing On, Brother, this morning, and it came straight up, so it's easy yeah. to get, and it would be the yeah. perfect Christmas present for somebody you know who's thinking of walking the Camino or somebody who yeah. has walked the Camino or someone you would like to tell about your journey. I, that's what yeah. I found reading it. I thought, this is even encapsulated here. As I said earlier, the ability for me to tell a part of my story in your words. So congratulations, Noel, on the book and and, and for the difference that you are making in people's lives because I think that's taken a great deal of courage and uh, a a great dedication on your part. It's not easy to write the books the way you write them, and we explained that earlier. We could talk for days, as I said. Sure, sure. Keep pressing on, keep pressing on, brother. And if you go to if, if if people want to go to my website, um, they'll they'll find um, you know a description of the book and um, a, a page where they can can order if they so wish. So, just give us the website yeah. for us. Noelbraun.com.au. Okay, we'll find it. Keep Pressing On, Brother, by Noel Braun. Thank you so much for your time, Noel. I really wish you all the very best, and I look forward to when the COVID restrictions are all thrown in the bin, you and I can catch up again. That'd love be. Yeah, That'd love great. To. 
Keep on and keeping right. on. Buen camino. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Gracias. My guest this week was the Australian pilgrim and writer, Noel Braun. The title of the book, again, is Keep Pressing On, Brother. If you Google it, you'll find it. Perhaps it was the call of the spirit luring him into the unknown where he had to rely on a strength greater than his own to persevere, creating a future, a destination, a pilgrimage. Linda Hogan is an American poet and Indigenous writer, and she wrote, Walking, I am listening to a deeper way. Suddenly all my ancestors are behind me. Be still, they say. Watch and listen. You are the result of the love of thousands. Walk on, pilgrims. And until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Buen Camino.